Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to another edition of NBA Today. And yes, this is a playoff edition, our first one ever. On this NBA Today show, we are brought to you by HoopBall. Check them out at HoopBall Tweets on Twitter and Hoop-Ball.com. All your fantasy news, latest updates, team podcast, fantasy perspective, this show, everything you really want from an NBA and fantasy lens, you will get from HoopBall. So again, check that out at HoopBall Tweets on Twitter and Hoop-Ball.com. Now today, we have ourselves a bunch of games, like I said. Day one of the 2020 NBA playoffs, obviously the bubble, everything going crazy, things being different, but we somehow found our way back to the postseason. We had four games to start for this playoff season, three of them relatively close, one of them a blowout. I am sorry, Brooklyn, and so we're going to get started with those, but let's start with the, the first game, really one of the modern classics. Donovan Mitchell, man. Donovan Mitchell went off. I can't say anything else. 57 points. Just a crazy stat line for Mitchell. Uh, It it wasn't enough to take over the Nuggets in Game 1 as the Nuggets would win by 10, 135-125 to behind Jamal Murray's 36 points uh, and 9 assists. He was crazy tonight as well, um, including 10 points in overtime. But Donovan Mitchell's 57 are third all-time for most points in a single NBA playoff game, right behind Michael Jordan. In 1986, against the Chicago Bulls, remember the God disguised as Michael Jordan quip from Larry Bird, and then Elgin Baylor way back in the day, playing for the Los Angeles Lakers against Boston in the NBA Finals. And then just beneath Mitchell are three different players. The last one being Charles Barkley versus Golden State in 1994 at 56 points, and then right behind him, uh, 55. There's five different players to score 55 in a playoff game. Most recently, Allen Iverson versus Charlotte. So there's a little bit for you, but. Mitchell was hot. He shot 19 of 33 from the floor, 13 of 13 from the line. The last previous high for the Utah Jazz for total playoff points scored in the game was 50 set by Carmelo in 2000 against the Seattle Supersonics. I would recommend watching that game. I really did like it. Um, besides Gary Payton going ice cold and Shimon Williams being the main guy for the Utah Jazz. But er, that's all irrelevant. It was a really good game. Um, aside from that... Mitchell joins Jordan as the only players in NBA history that are 23 or younger to score 57 over points in a playoff game. Now, Mitchell started slow. Um, he didn't have the, the best performance early, but come the second half and overtime, the dude went off for 38 points. It was insane. That 57-point outburst, uh, it's, it's not like anyone could say that was coming from if you had just watched the first half of the game, but come the second half, Mitchell was just alive, and... Honestly, that was what kept this game a scare 
There was one big problem, though. Um, crucial possession uh, with a minute and change left in the game. Mitchell bringing the ball up court, total brain fart, and got himself an eight-second violation with the Jazz up by four. If they had scored a bucket, they would have been up by six or as much as seven. Instead, the Nuggets take it down the other end of the court. Jamal Murray immediately knocks down a three-pointer, and then we're right back in it. But as much as it was about Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, there were others. Nikola Jokic finished with a monster 29 points and 10 rebounds for Denver, and he almost had a chance to win the game at the buzzer, but he was going down for a right-handed hook shot of Rudy Gobert. Gobert stood his ground, played great defense, and the shot ended up being off the mark. And that really is what set the tone for Jamal Murray in the extra period, uh, who just kind of went off with those 10 points, including a three-pointer with 46 seconds remaining in the game to really put a, 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 a nail in the coffin for the Jazz. Um, aside from that, just run-of-the-mill classic game. I guess strategy-wise, Mike Conley isn't there uh, for Utah due to the birth of his child. So a lot of the offense was run by Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles. And Joe Ingles finished with 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists just behind Donovan Mitchell with 7 assists. But this is where, I guess, the Jazz lack of reliable um, offensive initiators and ball handling come into play. Because Bojan Bogdanovic is out with injury for the season, of course. Emmanuel Moutier just hasn't fully found the trust in the rotation. You know, he only played nine minutes. Jordan Clarkson is there, and he's a guard, but really, he's a gunner. Um, 39 minutes, 18 points, 8 of 17 shooting. Hit two big step-back three-pointers in the first kind of quarter of the game, and then just proceeded to miss his next seven. And he only had... Uh, three assists, so he's he's not really one for you. And after that, Jawan Morgan, an undrafted rookie who got his first start, and Rudy Gobert each got one assist each, and that was it for the Utah Jazz. So moving forward, you know, Joe Ingles is going to obviously have to assume a lot more playmaking. Um, obviously, Donovan Mitchell have to continue doing what he's doing. If he has to score 57 points uh, or something anywhere close to that effect for the Utah Jazz, you might as well call this a series now. Just saying, there's no way that that's sustainable. And the fact that he did that much, you know, in losing causes is valiant and, and something to look forward to as far as building for the next season. But come on, you need more of a team effort there. And you know what? It didn't help that the Nuggets start off red hot from three. Michael Porter Jr. came on and started in a flash, finished with 13 points, ended up being on 13 shots. And, you know, he was gobbling up rebounds for eight rebounds, but then he did start to have some key defensive errors. The Jazz realized, hey, we can just go at Porter all the time. He sucks at defense. And sure enough, Mike Malone had to pull him and he didn't play a lot. You know, in the second half, we're at all in overtime. Um, Nicole Jokic already mentioned Jamal Murray as well. Torrey Craig started off well with three three-pointers, which he's one of those guys who, you know, his shot comes and goes. If he can knock down that three, he becomes a much more reliable weapon for the Nuggets, especially when the Jazz go to double down on Nicole Jokic. But to me, the MVP, aside from Jamal Murray, would have been Monte Morris, who came in, played just under 30 minutes, and, and had a committed effort throughout the whole game pacing the Nuggets 14 points three rebounds four assists but it was really a strong play every time they need a big shot and Murray wasn't knocking it down you could be sure that Morris was or that he was at least in the picture uh, Jeremy Grant also had 19 points and this was weird but not a single rebound but he threw in three assists as well and ultimately that was it for the Nuggets who are now up 1-0 over the Utah Jazz and you know what Game two will be on Wednesday. It'll be interesting to see where to go from here. But so far, without Mike Conley for the for the Jazz and without Gary Harris or Will Barton 
for the Nuggets. It seems to be a pretty close series, and you know it's going to come down to big shots, key adjustments. Honestly, the Jazz can take solace in the fact that the Nuggets scored or hit 22 of 41 three-pointers. That's a whopping 53%, and still one by 10, but in a very close game. So there's something to take away from that, to be sure. And then for the Nuggets, just knowing, hey, we just got to play better and more consistent. And I think that they know that the Jazz will have to get more of a concerted team effort. But if all works out that way, then, you know, it should be fine. All right, ladies and gents, say it with me. Sports are back, baby. I've been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind. Okay, just kidding. It's two. The first is the NBA playoffs. The second is my bookie. My bookie is a home run, a slam dunk, a triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie is up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of the NBA bubble season already here, with the playoffs, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. How good can that be? I want people to pay me. I know y'all want people to pay you. So, here we are. Let's talk about baseball. Feel good about your MLB team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. And I can attest to that as a Lakers fan basketball side. 2014, 2015, Jeremy Lin, Carlos Boozer, Wesley Johnson, Ryan Kelly, uh, Ken Marshall. I followed them all. I bet on them all. Okay, Lakers were always going to win a playoff series, even when they were averaging 17 wins a season. Okay, that's showing that you ride or die for your team. (laughs) <laughs> okay, but a better example. Think about baseball. Think about a better team. And think about you betting on them and, and reaping some benefit from that. But why stop with baseball? Why even stop with basketball? Smart bettors are always looking forward toward the future. And in this case, that obviously means hockey, football, NHL, online sports betting. My bookie is accepting bets on all of that. Join today and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, get this, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code HOOPBALL. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, hoop ball. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are pretty simple, y'all. You bet, you win, they pay. Come on now. Now, the second game was a lot more of a blowout. Uh, the Raptors just blew past the Brooklyn Nets, 134-110. to 110, Led behind Fred Van Vliet, who scored 30 points and hit 8 out of 10 three-pointers. The Raptors did a whole shot, 22 of 44 from that three-point line. And they had an intensity that was locked in the entire time. The Raptors' 22 three-pointers matched the season high and set a franchise playoff record. And really, after the first couple of minutes, the Nets didn't even have a chance. Serge Ibaka scored 22 off the bench. Pascal Siakam had 18 points and 11 rebounds. Kyle Lowry had a decent all-around Kyle Lowry game. 16 points, 17 rebounds, 7 rebounds, 17, and 6 assists with no turnovers. Marcus Saul scored 13, OJ Anobi had 12, and Terrence Davis added 11. And then for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Timothy Liawu Cabarro, he played really well, scored 26, matching a career high for him. He disappeared for a season. He's played all seasons, but he came into his 2019-2020 season with a consistent jump shot and high offensive IQ, and it's really shown. He's coming around nicely. Uh, that 26 is the career high, and he only missed four shots on the night. Joe Harris scored 19. Karis LeVert had 15 points and 15 assists, while Jared Allen collected 15 points and 12 rebounds, and Garrett Temple didn't shoot well, but he had 12 points. Uh, neither did Karis LeVert, but a lot of Karis LeVert's shots, unlike Garrett Temple's, were of the closely guarded variety. He wasn't getting free for his normal shots. It just wasn't happening. He was hounded the entire time. He was being trapped a lot. He was forced into becoming more of a playmaker. And you can see that with the 15 assists. 
but it was harder for him to really get going. And since he didn't have a consistent jump shot, he has to finish a lot at the rim among the trees. And when the Toronto Raptors defense is forcing you or funneling you into the middle, into making these mistakes and, and getting into con the contested paint, it is hard to finish. And Karis LeVert kind of found that out. I like that his adjustment was to become more of a playmaker, more of an offensive initiator. And later in the game, he was able to use the threat of his passing into advantageous offensive opportunities for himself. But as a whole, that was an issue for Levert, and there was a big reason why he couldn't get going. Um, aside from that, though, the Nets did pull up. Credit to them. Uh, Lialu Cabarro helped kick off a 19-6 spurt that cut the Toronto's lead to 90-82 with two minutes left in the third quarter. This was after they had trailed by as much as 33. And then even in the fourth quarter, the Nets were still within nine before Van Vliet made a couple of three-pointers, keyed a 12-4 run, and Brooklyn wouldn't come close again. So... Uh, there's something to take advantage of for Brooklyn. The fact that if they stay locked in, you know, try to be more free on the offensive side, play within themselves, play better defense, that's something to be said. Um, Van Vliet is a great three-point shooter, but maybe going 8 out of 10 won't happen again. Even so, the Nets can only do so much. Toronto's just a much superior team, and that's the bottom line. I was thinking that the Raptors would win in five. That would have to mean that the Nets win one. It obviously wouldn't be this game one. So, I mean, it happened. But the hope is that they can come back and take game two. At least if you're rooting for the Nets to win any game. Aside from that, for Toronto, they seem to be rolling on all cylinders. Playing like every bit of the defending champs they are. And we'll have to continue to see how they perform in these playoffs. But what a strong game one. Support for Manscaped. <laughs> My bad support for hoop ball is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the belt grooming they obsess over the technology developments the way i obsess over getting the name of my show right to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience now i don't really have a funny story about you know when i had a man shaving incident or a manscaping incident I, it's a tragedy and i don't feel like sharing tragedies on nba today you'll understand right y'all exactly with that being said if you've had a tragedy in your shaving experience, then you'll know that's exactly why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. When I tell you this premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Plus, you have water resistant technology that allows you to groom in the shower and a cool LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. You would like to see what you're doing down there, wouldn't you? They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient charging dock powered by USB. Listen, I love to hook people up. I'm a friend of the people. I am a man of the people. And if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BRUSKI at manscaped.com. That's BRUSKI, B-R-U-S-K-I at manscaped.com. Again, get 20% off and that oh-so-good free shipping with the code BRUSKI, B-R-U-S-K-I at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BRUSKI. That's your little uh, promo there for you. Check it out. B-R-U-S-K-I. Manscaped. Lawnmower. 3.0. Grab it. Now. Philadelphia and Boston was a good close game. Uh, right up until the last minute or two when Boston pulled away to take the win 109-101. 
behind Jason Tatum's career high, playoff high, 32 points and 13 rebounds. It was a crazy, crazy game for the Celtics, who were led by Tatum and Jalen Brown, who scored 29 points, 15 of them in the fourth quarter. And, of course, Kemba Walker chipped in with 19 points for the Celtics. And those big three, uh, the same group that averaged 20 points a game for the Celtics over the season, were able to carry Boston into the playoffs in this game one. For the 76ers, playing without Ben Simmons, starring Shake Milton, um, you know, bringing in Al Horford off the bench, playing as well alongside Josh Richardson at that backcourt. Joel Embiid really shouldered the load for the 76ers with Mob Monster 26 points and 16 rebounds. And Josh Richardson and Alec Burks, for their part, added 18 points apiece for the 76ers. But in the end, they kind of lost. It was hard to get Embiid the ball, especially when Richardson and Burks are more combo guards and more scoring-centric or scoring-focused at that. So making those reads to get to get Embiid the ball in the latter half of the game became harder and harder to do. A lot of the time that Embiid ended up touching the ball was off of dribble handoffs, and it wasn't easy for him to establish uh, a good post position and go directly down there. It didn't help that Boston's defense was swarming, um, knowing when to stunt, knowing when to send the hard double, knowing when to make Embiid uncomfortable just enough, and I'm saying just enough because he still scored 26 points, but in crunch time, a lot of the 76ers had to create on their own without Embiid's help, and so a lot of that was looked toward Josh Richardson, Josh Richardson Alec Burks, and Tobias Harris to make shots, and um, at the end of the day, aside from Richardson and Burks, it didn't really work out. Um, Alec, I mean, for example, Tobias Harris, in a game when he needed to shoulder a little bit more of the load, being one of the main offensive initiators who could create his own offense, 15 points on 15 shots. Didn't make a three-pointer. Eight rebounds to eight assists, so he contributed in other ways. But you need more offense. Al Horford inserted into the starting lineup in 31 minutes. Six points, seven rebounds, six assists. Again, good numbers. But when you're starting playing that many minutes and you are needed to provide for this team, you can't bring that. It's just, it's just, not, it's just not good. Um, Matisse Thibel added, added five points and four rebounds, and that was really it. That's not going to cut it for Philadelphia. It just isn't. Uh, Philadelphia's bench, obviously, their rotation had sh was shortened tremendously. Mike Scott only got two minutes. Furkan Korkmaz only played seven. And then Raul Neto, Kylo Quinn, the other guys didn't play at all. But your starting core, I mean, Joel Embiid is a monster. He sure enough is, but you need to give some more help there. You just do. And... He didn't get that, and sadly, he took the loss hard, saying, you know, he needs to play better, he has to do more, whatever the stats are, he has to do more, he has to carry this team, and he's right, it, it, however unfair it may be, just because the personnel around him, it is up to Embiid to kind of carry them through, and we'll have to see if that happens, but going to the Celtics, Tatum, again, was on fire, scored 15 points in the second quarter alone, kind of gave the Celtics that six-point lead in the halftime, the 76ers, to their credit, went on a 15-0 run late in the third quarter to retake a, the lead heading into the fourth. And the Celtics then pushed back in, again, a perfect game of runs on a 9-0 run that included 7 points by Brown to go back into the lead. Philadelphia made a final push, and then Boston put them away. And that was really just it. Now, there is one scary moment that happened, and that concerns Gordon Hayward, who limped off the court with about 3 minutes left in the game after his foot came down on teammate Daniel Tice's left foot. So, Steven said it was a sprained ankle, and then he added, quote, don't know the severity, he's clearly in pain, it looked like it had some swelling already, that's my medical review, end quote. So, not looking good for Hayward, possibly for the long term, but short term, the Celtics came, they played very well, and now Philadelphia has to rebound and bounce back, 
hopefully get some different looks to give the ball to Embiid moving forward if you really want to win. Aside from that, better shot making from Tobias Harris would be key. And then Alec Burks and Josh Richardson continuing to add what they are. 15 to, 8, 15 to 20 points would be ideal for them because the offense has to come from somewhere. It's not coming from the bench. Um, unless Al Horford's going to go back and give you some throwback performances, is not coming from there either. So I'm looking at Shake Milton. I'm looking at Josh Richardson, Alec Burks, and Tobias Harris to help Joel Embiid if they want to extend this series and make it long. Last but not least, I have to talk about the Dallas Mavericks versus the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers beat the Mavericks 118-110 to despite a monster game from Luka Doncic. 42 points, most ever by a player in his first postseason game and Doncic also added nine assists and seven rebounds and this is after starting off the first quarter with four quick turnovers came back bounced back in a major way and played superb down the stretch but it wasn't enough Kawhi Leonard led the Clippers with 29 points and 12 rebounds Paul George had 27 Marcus Morris defensively played well had 19 points knocked down three three-pointers and did a very good job um and and that was what key to balance Clippers effort to to win the game uh now there was a little kerfuffle late in the third quarter uh basically Doncic and Marcus Morris got into it Porzingis went to protect his teammate he shoved Morris or Morris shoved back and this was Porzingis the second technical because they were both um attached technicals but since it was Porzingis the second he was kicked out because, you know, two, two technicals, you're out the game, which is a sad um, finish to his first game, first playoff game, Porzingis' first playoff game. It's a shame, but and it was soft. I mean, LeBron came up and said something after. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki came out and said something after. Patrick Mahomes, yes, football. Patrick Mahomes came out and said something. The refs really need to figure out what a technical is and what it isn't because right now a lot of these techs seem to be for just players in an emotional game acting emotional. They're not robots. That's how that works out. Anyway, Doncic did say, you know, KP had his back. He did it for him. He did it for his teammate. It's sad. It's unfortunate. Boom. Ultimately, though, um, it was a close game. It was a really close game. Doncic played very well. Um, withstood a lot of defensive coverage just from the Clippers. But in the end, you know, the, the Clippers just had more to go to. You know, they just had more to go. They kept putting... Um, runs together, and this was another game of runs. The Mavericks won a 12-0 run to push the lead to 50-36 to late in the game. Then the Clippers won a run to take it to 69-66 at the halftime break. It was a it was a game of runs. It was a very good game, but in the end, the Clippers were able to stop Doncic, limit some of the Mavericks shooters who were knocking down everything, starting in Dorian Finney-Smith with the three, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., 18 points, 4-11 from three, Seth Curry, 4-8 from three, uh, Michael Kidd Giltrist came out of nowhere and hit two big threes in, in like in like a minute's time. It was it was exciting to see. But the Clippers are the better team. They're the stronger team. They have more defenders they can apply pressure on for Luka Doncic. And in the end, that means a lot. And that is going to be why the series is relatively short. You know, end of the day, that's kind of where it's going to go. But um, pretty good game so far. Dallas has a lot to take away from that they can improve on. And that will be something that you can know that Rick Carlisle will work on alongside Luka Doncic to try to key into the Clippers and make this a competitive series. But that concludes the last, the first day's games of playoff games. Tomorrow, or today when you're listening to this, there will be Orlando versus Milwaukee, Miami versus Indiana, 
the Thunder versus the Rockets and the Lakers versus the Blazers. So that will be good games to watch and check out, take notes, and be sure to come back tomorrow for NBA Today's breakdown on that. But until then, check out HoopBall. Again, hoop-ball.com, at HoopBallTweets. Follow me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. And stay frosty, y'all. Take care. Watch these playoff games. Get this hoop content while you can. And have a good one. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.